Yo, what's up, Metal Ranch? How we doing? All right, hey, if you have your Bible, let me see it. Let me see it up in the air. Let me see it, let me see it. Okay? Heck yeah. Let's go. All right, do y'all know where to go? Turning your Bibles to the book of? Psych? Matthew. Okay? I know, I know. Matthew real quick, and then we're going to... Daniel, okay? We're going to go to Daniel, but turn to Matthew first, okay? So your Bible's got an Old Testament and a New Testament. Your New Testament starts out with four guys' names, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These four books are the Gospels, right? And that word Gospels, anybody know what that word Gospel means? What does it mean? Good news. She said it like it's good news too, right? Sometimes we go, good news. If you tell me good news that starts like this, hey, I've got some good news for you. I don't want to hear your good news because it's, what is it? What is it? Yeah, okay, but so what is it, what's it, what is it actually? Good it's good news, y'all, okay? So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the reason it's called good news, the Gospels, is they talk about this Jesus character. So last night when we opened up our Bibles, whether you're brand new to this whole church camp Bible worship thing or you've been around this thing forever, y'all, what you hold in your hands this is the greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told in its entirety. 66 books, 40 different authors, written on, on, over a span of 2,000 years, three different continents, three different languages telling one story. And my hope and my prayer is that we, as we open up this thing tonight, that this would be a week that we start getting more excited about diving into God's word because we understand that the God of the universe, the God that we just sang to, the God that is worthy of it all, that always has been, that always will be, that is the author and creator of life itself, he wrote to us. And he said, I want to reveal myself to you. I want you as creation to understand more about me as creator. And he gave us the Bible as a gift. But if you're anything like me, y'all, right, living in California in 2023, sometimes I can take my Bible and I can just kind of go like, eh, it's just the Bible. And I don't treasure this thing maybe as much as I treasure other things in life, but tonight my hope and my prayer is as we open up this thing, right, that we can get to the point where we get excited to hear from God. And so last night I made two commitments to you. Number one, I'm going to treat you with the respect to go, like, I'm not going to dumb this thing down like, oh, boys and girls, listen, right, no, no we're going to talk about the real truth. We're going to talk about real stuff and we're going to dive into it tonight, number one. Number two, everything we talk about is going to come from the Bible. And my, the, your commitment back to me is this right? Who had a full day at camp today? Right? Full day. Hey, y'all went to like the cove and you played and you swam. And if you're feeling anything like me, right, you kind of get into that cozy blue chair and you're like, mm, that's nice. That's the spot right there. And maybe you find the person's shoulder next to you and you're like, oh yeah, that, that is actually. So here's, here's the thing, right? Y'all, like if you're feeling a little sleepy, maybe you sit up a little bit, maybe you lean forward, maybe you lovingly, lovingly, Emphasis on the lovingly. Look at the person next to you and you're like, mm -mm -mm. wake up, right? Wake up, wake up, wake up. Lovingly, right? I know y'all, y'all got some sharp elbows, right? None of these. Uh, right? So, hey, your commitment back to me, Meadow Ranch. Your commitment back to me is tonight, as we dive into God's word, as we talk about what does it look like to trust this God, who is this God, right? Would tonight be a night that you lean in? Right, that whether you've been around camp for forever, you've been around church for forever, you've known this God for a long time, or you're brand new, 
Hey, maybe, just maybe, God has something for you tonight that he wants to teach you. Hey, so Matthew chapter 7. We in Matthew chapter 7. That big, bold number 7 is your chapter. That little number 24 is your verse. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Okay, so yesterday, we dove into this concept of what would it look like to trust this God. Right, y'all remember Piper drinking from the baptismal? Right, and me going, hey, baby girl, um, I got an idea. What would it look like for you to take this filtered water instead? And homegirl looks up at me and goes, no. And yet, and yet, right, as funny and maybe disgusting as that story is, you and I do the same thing all the time. The God of the universe has spoken. And he has invited us to live life his way. And yet so often, because of how this story started in the book of Genesis, with four words that changed the course of history, did God really say that we have a very real enemy that wants us to doubt who God is and what God says? And so we want to do things our way, right? We go like, God, I, I don't, if I'm being honest, I don't always trust who you are and I don't always trust what you say. That's why I take things into my own hands. And so yesterday we tackled this topic of what would it look like to trust God? Because that's how Israel found themselves in exile in the first place. I mean, exile is very simply living in a place that isn't your home. Israel finds themselves living in Babylon as a consequence because God delivers them over to the nation of Babylon. After 23 years of inviting them back in, of warning them, of saying, hey, I'm inviting you to trust me. I'm inviting you to trust what I say. I'm inviting you to trust me. I'm inviting you to trust what I say. And Israel goes, no, we want to do things our way, how we want. Hey, but there was four guys, right? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we're going to look at in the story tonight that went, hey, we're going to live life differently. What would it look like if we trusted God and we trusted what he said? Hey, so if you're in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Meadow Ranch, you know what's coming. Give me a nice, loud preach. All right, that's what's up. That's going to get better all week, I promise you, okay? Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, okay? Pause real quick and look up at me. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. Does anybody know who's talking right here? Jesus, okay, good. If you ever find yourself falling asleep in chapel, right, and a dude or a woman standing up here on stage goes, hey, who is this? Like they ask you any question. If you wake up and say Jesus, you'll be right 94% of the time, okay? Statistics show. Just like wake up and say Jesus, you'll be right. So who's talking here? Jesus. Hey, y'all are smart, okay? Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus talking. He says, my words, if you hear my words and you put them into practice, you will be like the wise man or the wise woman who built their house on the what? Rock. On the rock. <laughs> Some of y'all said Jesus. That was the 6%, okay? You're wrong. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew, and they beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus says, and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man or the foolish woman who built their house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Hey, this is Jesus talking, and he uses this analogy of a house being built. And here's the thing about the houses, right? Before the storm comes, you don't really see a difference in the houses. Both houses are built. 
Right? And it's not about the house, it's about the foundation that the house is built upon. And Jesus says, the difference in foundation is whether you hear these words of mine and put them into practice. Y'all, can I ask you a question? What does it require to hear somebody's words and put them into practice? It's, <laughs> it starts with a T and ends with a rust. Okay? Y'all, my dad, his name is Phil Payne. Um, if he, it, it, like, just to be totally transparent with y'all, like, I love y'all. It's been a couple fun days already. But if somebody random, like, busted through the back doors and was like, Austin, and I didn't know this person, right? And they just busted through the back door and they were Austin. And I was like, right? And they went, Austin, you need to come with me right now. I'd be like, why? Right? Like, security? Right? Harrison, help, right? Like, I, if, if somebody random, bo- like, just busted in the back, like, I'm not, what? Why? Because I don't trust that person. And so if they ask me to do something, I'm going to be like, I'm kind of in the middle of something here, right? But if my dad, Phil Payne, if he busts through those back doors and he's like, hey, Austin, right? I need you to come with me right now. First of all, my dad lives in Washington, okay? And if he came all the way down, he walked through those back doors and he asked me to go with him right now. Like, again, I love y'all, but I'm going. Why? Because I trust my dad. And so if he asks me to do something, Right? Even if it doesn't make sense to me in the moment, I'm going to do what he says because there's a lot of trust there. And so what, what Jesus is saying here is if you hear these words of mine, right? where do we hear the words of God? If you hear these words of mine and you put them into practice, you will be like the man, you'll be like the woman that their house is built on the rock. Right? The rain came, the winds blew, and, and that didn't bother that house. That house wasn't dependent on circumstance. It wasn't dependent on fair weather. But then he contrasts it and says, on the other side, if you hear these words of mine and you don't put them into practice, which, to be honest, is a lot of us. We hear the word of God taught. We open up the Bible for ourselves. Maybe we go to a cabin time. Our, our counselor, our youth pastor walks us through the words of God and we hear those words and then we just kind of go, eh. I'm more interested in doing things the way that I want to do them. Right? And, and the reality is, friends, when, when Jesus is talking about a storm here, he's talking about hard things in life, trials. A, a, a pastor friend of mine at my church back in San Diego, he said this, He said, we're either, and this is true for y'all too, right? This is part of the the equation where I'm going to treat you with respect. I understand this about your life. Even as sixth graders, seventh graders, and eighth graders, here's the reality, right? Right? And this is what my pastor friend said. He said, you're either currently in a trial, right? Even Even in sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, you're either currently in a trial, right? There's something going on in your life that's challenging, that's difficult. You're either in a trial you're coming out of a trial, right? If you look at the last month, last couple of months in your life, you go like, there's some hard things in my life. Or you're walking into one. And if you don't believe me in cabin time tonight, just ask your counselor. Just talk to them about their life, right? Whether they're 18 or 47, just ask them about their life and go, hey, can you talk to me about some of the hard things in your life? And I promise you, your counselors have lived enough life to either be in a trial right now to be coming out of a trial, or they're walking into one. Right? When, they, when we come down from the mountain, maybe they're walking into something that's challenging, that's difficult. And so the, the, the reality of our life is, right, Jesus says this in John chapter 16. He says, in this world, you will find trouble. But the very next verse says, take heart, I've overcome the world. 
And so Jesus is inviting us into a life where we can be circumstance-proof. If you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, you'll be like the man, you'll be like the woman whose house is built on the? On the rock, okay? Turn back to Daniel chapter one. Daniel chapter one. (laughs) Daniel chapter one. We're gonna look at these four guys. And in Daniel chapter one, we're gonna find four guys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that even though Israel finds itself in a trial, Right? They find themselves exiled out of their homes. They're not sleeping in their own beds anymore. Right? They've fallen under the rule of a new king, King Nebuchadnezzar. And this king is going to change everything about their life, their customs, their names. And yet we're going to see these four guys. And they seem to hear the words of God and put them into practice in their life. And so we're going we're gonna to ask the question, who are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And how do we live life in exile like they do? Okay, so Daniel chapter 1, verse 8 says this, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Right? If you've like, got a pen and you're taking notes, let me just encourage you to like, underline the word resolved right? or circle it in your Bible. Right? You're like, you can write in your Bible? Absolutely, okay? Right? Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked, underline that word asked, he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Okay, pause right there and look up at me. Okay, let's back up in this story. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they find themselves in a new place, under a new rule, under a new kingdom. That kingdom, they, they want to take the best of the best of Israel, right? this new nation that is now their captives, and they want to raise them up in this royal household as their people. So they want to inundate them as their people. They want to go, okay, we're going to change your names. We're going to change your customs. We're going to give you this three-year trial to become the best of the best of our people. But it says Daniel resolves not to defile himself. And so Daniel goes, man, that goes against what my God has asked me to do. That goes against the 613 commandments that we find in the Old Testament. That goes against what my God has asked of me. And so he says, I'm going to resolve not to defile myself. And then here's the, here's the kicker. He asks permission. Right? Follower of Jesus in this room, please hear this loud and clear. Daniel doesn't go, oh, you want to change my name, do you? Okay. You want to change my customs, do you? Watch this. Right? No, Daniel goes, hey, actually, he goes to the person in authority and he asks permission. I love the way 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within. Hey, Daniel's hope was solely in his king, his God. We've seen it in the dramas played out. Right? They're continuing to open up God's word. They're continuing to follow the king, even though they're in a jail cell. Daniel's hope was in him, but it says, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within. And then the very next verse says, but always do so with gentleness and respect. Y'all, I don't think we're doing a very good job of this in 2023. A lot of followers of Jesus, we're sinking our feet in, trying to defend being followers of Jesus, but I don't think we do it very often with gentleness and respect. And I love that Daniel gives us an example here of how to live in exile, but do so in such a winsome way. He asks for permission, and let's see how this turns out. Verse 9 
says, now God had caused the official in charge of Daniel to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of the Lord, the king who has assigned your food and your drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this test and tested them for 10 days. Verse 15, at the end of those 10 days, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine that they were to drink and he gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave them knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Okay, I, I don't want you to miss this passage and think that this is like some sort of dietary plan. Right? There, there's, there's nothing in this passage where it's like, oh, okay, we just need to eat more vegetables. Y'all, this isn't about a diet. Right? God had given them, God had given the nation of Israel 613 commandments. Y'all, you ever, anybody ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Anybody ever heard of those? Okay. Here's the craziest thing about the Ten Commandments. When God gave them these commandments, it wasn't just like a, a list of rules to follow. Remember when I was talking about last night, like my belief of like Christianity is kind of boring? Hey, anybody in here like kind of not like rules and brave enough to admit it? <laughs> I love it. I, I love that like a couple of you were like, yup, that's me. And some of you were like, you don't want your youth pastor to see? You're like, I don't really like rules. Hey, when you look at the Bible and 613 commands in the Old Testament, you go like, Really? More rules, more regulations. But here's the cool thing. The Ten Commandments. Before God gives the nation of Israel the Ten Commandments, do you know what he says? He says this. He says, remember that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then he gives them the Ten Commandments. Y'all, this is the coolest thing ever. Your God the God that we worship, the God that wrote us God's word, he reminds us of who he is in his character before he tells us to do anything. Do you know how rad that is? It'd be like my dad busting through the back walls and going like, hey, remember, I'm your dad, Phil Payne. Right? I raised you. Right? You're the youngest of four kids. We lived in Ecuador. It's like my dad reminding me of all these things and then asking me to do something. Why would God remind us of who he is? It starts with a T and ends with rust. Right? Why? Why would God do this? God's going, hey, remember who I am. And I promise if you remember who I am, it's going to be a whole lot easier to hear these words of mine and put them into practice, especially when the going gets tough. Right? When the storm hits, if you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, your house is built on the rock. I had a buddy, uh, Tanner, this last year, he's 25 years old, super gifted musician. Um, you can look him up on, on uh, Safari or Apple Music or uh, um, Safari. I meant Spotify, not Safari, LOL. I guess you could look him up on Safari, right? But his name, his artist name, he was T. Ross the Giant, and then he was T. Ferrari, and uh, he was a good buddy of mine at, at North Coast down in San Diego, and this, this last year, he was 24, 25 years old, and uh, he beat cancer once, and then it came back, and he died of cancer this last year. And I don't, I don't tell you that to, so that you go like, oh, right? Like, here's why I tell you that. Tanner, right? Tanner, to the day that he passed, 
sitting next to his young wife. They've been married for like a year and a half next to his family. It, to the, to, literally to the day, through his whole cancer battle, to the day that he passed away, he, he lived by the exact same thing. He said, hey, for me to be here, I get to declare the goodness of God. But if I pass away, he said, I get to see Jesus face to face. To the day that he passed. And I look at that, I watch it lived out in front of me, and I'm like, that makes no sense. Like, to me, if you're going to declare the goodness of God and then get hit by cancer, like, when the cancer hits, you go like, what the heck, God? Why? I'm 25. I've only been married for a year and a half. I'm a gifted musician. I could do all these things for you. I could go out and, like, the Christian hip-hop world was being impacted by Tanner. And to the day that he died, he just went, God is good. Why? If you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, your house will be built on the rock. Tanner's house was built on the rock. Circumstance, even cancer, couldn't take away the hope and the trust that he had in Jesus. And we see the same thing happen in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their hope and their trust is in God solely. And so even when they're facing consequence, friends, their respect, their fear, their understanding was solely in God and not the people around them, not their circumstance. And what I love about this, and this is how I want to finish tonight, what I love about this is it gives us a perspective. Right? C.S. Lewis, uh, one of my favorite authors, y'all seen the Chronicles of Narnia? Seen those movies, right? So C.S. Lewis, he wrote those books, but he also wrote a bunch of other, like as a theologian, he wrote some, some books and, and he, authored, um, he authored a book called Mere Christianity. And in that book he said, he said, if you see in this world, if you look around you and you see in this world that nothing can satisfy, he says, maybe, just maybe we were made for another world. We were designed for somewhere else. If you look around and no sport, no theatrical performance, no boy, no girl, no exciting relationship, right? No job, no amount of money, no success, nothing seems to satisfy. Maybe, just maybe we're made for another world. And it stirs up this hunger. And maybe you're in that trial right now, friend. Maybe you're in a hard moment, and I just want to encourage you. Would you know and understand that there is a God that sees you in the middle of it, and he's inviting you to trust him? Right? Any uh, NFL fans in the house? Any football fans? Okay. Um, okay. I strongly dislike the New England Patriots, like strongly. But, but Tom Brady is the GOAT, Okay. You can't, you can't, I don't, you can boo him all you want, but you just can't, you can't argue it. You can't argue it, okay? But here's the thing, right? A couple years ago, the, the thing about being a pastor, right, is like, as a pastor, you work Sundays. And so a lot of NFL games are Sunday mornings. And, and so like, I, I like uh, record, I got YouTube TV and I like record a bunch of NFL games and I watch them when I get home. Inevitably, there's always a student that's like, Austin, did you see the Raiders are up? To and I'm like, okay, all right, thanks for ruining the game. I was recording it, I was gonna watch it later, but you ruined it for me. So this like always happens to me. So I have this, I have this strong conviction of like, I don't ever wanna ruin a game for somebody else. So a number of years back, I had a buddy who couldn't watch the Super Bowl. I know, right? It's like the greatest Sunday in America, right? And so he couldn't watch the Super Bowl, and so he's like, hey, will you watch the Super Bowl with me the next day? So here's the thing. This dude's massive Tom Brady fan. And so we go to watch the Super Bowl, but this happened to be uh, the Super Bowl in 2017. Now, maybe you remember, 
Maybe you don't remember, but in 2017, the New England Patriots were playing the Atlanta Falcons, okay? Matty Ice. And I had watched this game before, like I watched it live, arguably the greatest Super Bowl of all time, right? But here's what happened. Here's what's crazy. So I'm watching with my buddy the next day. If you watched the game, you knew what happened, right? If you didn't watch the game, what happened was Tom Brady mounted the greatest comeback in the history of comebacks, and Matty Ice and the Falcons had one of the greatest meltdowns of all time in the Super Bowl, okay? So I watched the game. I know that Tom Brady won. I know the Patriots came all the way back and won, but I'm watching with my buddy, okay? It's the next day, and we're sitting there. We got our popcorn and our Super Bowl snacks, whatever. I'm trying to be a good friend and, like, relive the experience, the Super Bowl experience with my homie. And so we're sitting there, and we're watching the game, and in the third quarter, y'all, I kid you not, third quarter, the, the Patriots are down 28-3 to with eight minutes left in the third quarter. And at this point, if you know your history in the NFL, no team has ever come back from that big of a deficit ever. So my buddy watching the game is just like pissed, right? He's up there and he's just like, this sucks. Like, why are we even watching this game? And I'm sitting there with my popcorn going, just wait, right? Like, just, just wait. And I'm trying not to ruin it, but I'm trying to keep him in it at the same time. Like, homie's about to turn the game off. And I'm like, hey, just wait. Just wait. So sure enough, the Patriots go down, they score another touchdown. He's like getting kind of into it. And he's like, bro, it's still what? Like it's like 28-11 now? Like who cares? Like this game is over. And I'm like, just, hey, just wait. Fourth quarter comes. Patriots score another touchdown. They get another defensive stop. They score another touchdown. Get another defensive stop. And I watched my buddy go from like, to like in it, right? Like he's like pacing now. He's like in it. And what am I doing? I'm just cool as a cucumber. Why? I've already watched the game. I know how the story ends. I've seen it. Right? I understand. I've already watched this. This isn't live football for me. And so I'm sitting there cool as a cucumber and homie's pacing. He's like, bro, we're going to be in this game. We're in this game. We're in this game. And I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm just like, bro, just wait. Just wait. Sure enough, end of the fourth quarter tie game. This thing's going to overtime. Much like a kickball game I just recently experienced. Okay. <laughs> tie game, 28-28, end of regulation. Hey, and, and my buddy's losing it at this point, right? Like he's stressed out. He's not eating anymore. And I'm just still sitting there just like, hey, bro, just wait. Sure enough, Patriots get the ball, march down the field. They win 34-28 in overtime. Homie's losing his mind, right? Like we won the Super Bowl. We won the Super Bowl. And I'm sitting there going like, bro, I knew all along how this thing was going to end. Just wait. Why do I tell you that story? Right? Y'all, we're living We're living a life right now. And you're either in a trial right now, you're coming out of a trial, or you're going into a trial. But if you read the story, and we understand the greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told in its entirety, in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your brokenness, in the middle of your trial, the God of the universe sees you. He's with you. Right? The Bible says that God knows the, the number of hairs on your head, that he knows everything about you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And in the middle of your brokenness, in the middle of the trial, we know that the God of the universe, Jesus, is coming back again to restore all brokenness. And if you hear these words of mine, Jesus says, and put them into the practice, you'll be circumstance proof. And whether it's cancer, or moving away, or having to make new friends, or your parents getting divorced or a moment of brokenness in your life, you have a God that sees you, and you have a community around you that wants to remind you and encourage you and say, hey, just wait. 
just wait. In this world, you will have trouble. But if our hope and our trust is in him, and we look up to a God that says, I know how this story ends, just wait. Would we be encouraged to know and understand that if you put your hope and your trust in Jesus, you can be circumstance proof. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found themselves away from home, challenged, in exile, in a moment of brokenness, and they looked up to God. Daniel resolved not to defile himself and said, I know how this story ends. I'm gonna put my hope and my trust in Jesus. Pray with me. God, thank you for tonight. God, thank you for Meadow Ranch Chapel and this place that we can come and we can be reminded of truth. God, that most of us in here, sixth grader, seventh grader, eighth grader, counselor, youth pastor, we need to be reminded of truth much more than we need to be taught something brand new. That all throughout scripture, you reminded your people over and over and over again through a prophet, through your word, an invitation over and over again. And I got, God, I just ask that these junior hires would respond to that invitation tonight. That there would be a, a moment, a, a place in our life where we feel a conviction to put our hope and our trust in you. God, I pray over the brokenness in this room that we would have the confidence to look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith, and be able to say, just wait. I know how the story ends. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.